Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Opera After Dark. about today today we are talking about an opera that is on the met opera season what tell me more <laughs> is it premiering like now like this week i i mean maybe <laughs> <laughs> too much it is making its met premiere or it's it's a new production mm-hmm. so it's the new production has its premiere at the met on new year's eve it's a new year's eve oh it's the new gala. year's eve one this year the gala yeah nice. so and this is an opera that i literally knew nothing about until i saw it on the met season announcement and so i started reading about it and i was like what <laughs> uh, so i thought it would make a good episode so that we can all you know prepare ourselves to see it either live in person at the Met, or I think it's an HD broadcast. I'm sure oh, definitely. it is. Yeah, so, uh, and it's an opera that we almost never see come up, and it is called Adriana Lecoeuvre. <gasps> Lecoeuvre. Adriana Lecoeuvre. And it is French by... name, Italian libretto? Italian yeah. libretto, French name, yeah. And it is by a composer that we also almost never hear about mm-hmm. Francesco Chilea who had a fair amount of success while he was alive was like a working composer and then just sort of yeah vanished into obscurity yeah I have to be honest I I don't think I've ever heard of Chilea or at least not discussed him well he's Italian <laughs> <laughs> he Italiano. decided to um become a composer when he was four years old because he heard a performance of Bellini's Norma. Aww. Aww. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. And he was like, I love the music. What, what are his dates? He was born in 1866 and he died in 1950. Oh. Yeah, so it's a pretty long life. Nice yeah. long life. Yeah, and he, so he kind of, I guess he sort of started his composing or his opera composing in like the Verismo period. So he's very, he's like a contemporary of Mascagni. And he has a really good mustache. He does have a really good mustache. (laughs) We'll put the picture on the website. Mm, Yeah. Nice composer mustache. Yeah. And he was commissioned, his early operas were commissioned by, um, Zanzonio, and so Zanzonio was like the other impresario in Italy that was pretty powerful aside from like Ricordi. Mm-hmm. So, um, didn't we have a no? We had a whole episode on Barbaya. He was yeah, Barbaya, a little, right? A little, a little earlier, yeah. yeah but you know, Zanzonio, the inventor of the cappuccino. So yeah, it was like the mocha, the, the chocolate mocha. coffee mix. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the bel canto bully. <laughs> See, you remember stuff. I do. It's so. It's like a. I wouldn't have remembered the name Barbaya until Naomi said it. <laughs> it's like we <laughs> really discuss the stuff. I really get it, and I remember it. Just not names and dates and places. 
But I remember the essence. Yeah, until I am editing the episode and I go, oh. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Did we talk about this? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we thought it would be fun to talk about this opera since the story of the opera is actually based on a true story. Nice. And with some some twists, I guess, for like dramatic. Wait, is it? Yeah. It's a true story? What? Yeah. Are there many operas in the canon that are based on a true story? I mean, there's a, there's a good number, I guess. I mean, like, Verterra is kind of based yeah. on things that happened in real life. Right. I'm trying to think of the you know, ABC like, operas. Lucia is based on sort of a true story. Oh, yeah, the Tudor yeah. operas. Tudor operas are based on history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are historical elements in Tosca. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Verdi, a lot of his operas, like, draw from historically inspired stories, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Un palo en mascara. Ooh. We should talk about that one. That one's a good one. In another takes episode. Place in Boston. Sort of. <laughs> Only because the censors had issues with it. Right. It takes place in Boston? Boston. Boston. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What? I thought that one was about, like, a prince who gets murdered in a mass ball. The governor. It's the. It was based on the true story of Gustav III's assassination in Sweden. Right. I've been to the box where it happened. Oh, Ooh. And Italy was like, oh no, no, Were no. Were there stains on the carpet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hasn't been cleaned. Yes. Yes. Hundred fifty years. Can't get the murder out of the carpet. <laughs> Still be remembers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the censors were like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Really? Even yeah. though it was it's too like politically fraught. Because they were like, we don't want to see an actual, like, European monarch murdered on stage because people might get ideas in Italy. Ah, I was going to say, I didn't realize that there were such close ties between Italy and Sweden. No. Uh, But surprisingly, side tangent, there's a lot of ties between, like, Sweden generally and, um, like, Europe in the 1800s because Gustav III was a big patron of the arts and he actually like traveled to Versailles and he fell in love with Versailles because everyone falls in love with Versailles when they mm-hmm. go there. And then he basically wanted to like bring all of the influence of that style back with him to Sweden. But then he kind of merged the like Versailles Rococo style with like Swedish influences. And so mm-hmm. now there's like a whole it kind of I guess this whole school of design one could say called like the Gustavian style which is like it's it's like Versailles French country looking but like cleaner lines if that makes sense like I- hmm. Ikea did it <laughs> like like if Ikea did French country chic like right. that's what it uh, okay. yeah. I think I saw that there yeah did yeah. you? <laughs> Yeah, French. The phlegm. Yeah. The phlegm. Oh yeah, phlegm. Is that how you say it? <laughs> phlegm. That's hilarious. Yeah. How many are there? <laughs> so less instructions as far as assembling uh, than your regular. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going. On no, that. I just like <laughs> Kyle's very tired. I know right. that was supposed to be a run on. You know how everybody has such a hard time putting together IKEA furniture. Right. I feel like it's a running joke mm-hmm. when it comes to. That would make like a good opera scene. Assembling, assembling a bookcase, the Billy bookcase. It would just be something relatable. That's true. And funny. Like it could be something that's satirically funny too, where it's like a very serious scene and somebody's like really so angry, but the audience is just cracking up. Write it. Write it. Did you? Oh, yeah. 
We know that. Clearly, I'm not that creative. Did you meet <laughs> any composer folk when you were in Sweden, Naomi? I did not. The kid take a whack at this? I did not, but I feel like right. we can find a composer. All right, somewhere. we're putting out a sure. request for proposal on... <laughs> Elspeth and I will find a Ikea composer. Opera. And by that, I really mean like Elspeth will find a composer because she's the one who knows the people. Yeah. We'll do it for free. Elspeth is connected. No, we're going <laughs> to no, get a Kyle, grant. Kyle's going to get the grant. Oh, sure. Oh, I'll write the grant. Okay. And Ikea is going to officially sponsor. Yes, Ikea yeah. sponsored. Oh, my free gosh. meatballs for everyone. That would be the easiest production to put together. Well, we could um, just ask Ikea if we could film in there and we can make it a video. <gasps> oh, my Ikea. gosh. And then it could tour to Ikea's all <laughs> over the world. It's a site-specific production. Ikea Ikea's and the all arts. Over the world. Every single Ikea pretty much looks the same. That would yeah. be really funny. And you know how they have those little, uh, yeah, like, it'd be really funny. Those apartment models in the showroom, so you can see like this is what like this square footage <gasps> yes. of apartment. So it, and then it could be like a traveling, yeah, opera too. Although maybe they wouldn't appreciate the. The whole joke of it being that their furniture is difficult for people to assemble. Well, we'll have to evolve it into something. Yes. Something a little bit different. When really it's only difficult because of your own personal insecurities or yeah. something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. It's yeah. not Ikea's fault. Or it's like you didn't read the instructions. Yes. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Make it happen. Ikea. Right, we got to pitch Ikea. Right. If Ikea you're listening to the opera. There are yeah. any Ikea executives <laughs> listening to Opera After Dark? You don't know. You yeah. can reach us. Any of our first names at operaafterdark.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just tweet at us. <laughs> or tweet at us. That, yeah. that would be so exciting if Ikea tweeted at us. Like, we're in. Woo! Right. Here's $300,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in the meantime, I guess we'll talk about Adriana Lecouvre. We'll talk about an opera that actually exists. Right. Actually exists. Yeah. What's the setting? What are? Oh, well, we we started by saying it's based off of a real. Yes. Event. So it is an opera in four acts, in Italian, but it's based on a play. It's based on a play by Eugene Scribe, mm-hmm. um, and I think Scribe was involved in Verdi's Aida. No, Scribe wrote the libretto for the opera. Scribe. The play was written by uh, Ernest Legouve. No, Scribe, basically, I think he helps Le Gouvet on the play. Uh, yeah. I feel like Scribe maybe did the libretto or the source material for, for Aida. Don't Eat Seti opera. Aida, I feel like there were others, too. Aida. You guys, the Aida musical. We are the no. breath control we don't know (laughs) every time you do that i need to like start singing something from the opera aida like what uh looks at watch (laughs) <laughs> Radames. <laughs> oh man. Aida. Another one I'll just say featuring on the Trebco at the Met. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing for her. She's debuting. Well, she sang Aida before, but it's the first time she's singing at the Met. Yeah, and yeah. this will be her first Adriana Lecouvre at the Met too. Yeah. Both so. live in 
HD. 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 Yes. So, it makes its premiere in 1902, to give you like a sense of where it is, in mm. Milan, mm-hmm. at the Teatro Lirico. And, okay, so this opera is based on the story of a real-life actress in France by the name of Adrienne Lecouvre, mm-hmm. or Adrienne, right? Adrienne. And so she was considered, like, one of the greatest actresses in, like, in her generation. She was really good friends with Voltaire, hmm. and um, she was the real-life rival of Maria Carolina Sobieska, Duchess of Bouillon. Mm. Oh, okay. Maria Carolina, <laughs> Duchess of Bouillon. Bouillon. Yeah. yeah, the cubes. So. What? What's a <laughs> Bouillon cube? <laughs> I feel like I should know what that is. Oh, that's like the little like broth thing, yeah. right? She's, she's the... She's the inventor of a <laughs> of, of broth cubes. <laughs> Their dynasty. <laughs> oh yes, I'm of the Bouillon dynasty. That's like being of like the Tyson chicken dynasty. <laughs> hey, I bet that dynasty is vast. Hey, I'm just. You also can't yeah. hate. So kind of random aside, <laughs> uh, at Phoenix Theater. Um, one of their major donors is the Hormel family, like Hormel Bacon, mm-hmm. if you're familiar. So they have mm-hmm. like a black box theater that's called the Hormel Theater. Oh. So you can't, you can't I mean, diss They're your, putting their money into the arts and I very much appreciate right. it. Right. You can't bash on the meat giants. <laughs> <laughs> on the animal product giants of the world. Okay. Well... <laughs> So the rival of the Duchess of Bullion. <laughs> <laughs> you went there. <laughs> uh, she's the rival. She's right. the rival of the Duchess Bouillon. Right. Who was also was she an actor or an actress? No, the Duchess of Bouillon was not an actress, but so she was they, a duchess. What, what do they rival each other in being popular? A man. A man. Oh, right. Gosh, how silly of me. <laughs> yes. So, basically, they both had their sights set on the same man, these mm. two. So, uh, I will we'll talk about the plot of the opera, and then I'll kind of touch on like where the real-life story differs a little bit from the opera. Okay. But basically... This rivalry between the two women was just so public and so dramatic that mm-hmm. it inspired a play. And, like, the play inspired at least three operas to be written based on that play. And this is the only one that has this survived. Is the, yeah, this is the only one that's at all performed today. What was the timeline of the actual life story happening? And when the, op- the opera is 1902. Right, that's when, when it made its world premiere. When the did- Adrienne Lecouvre. Adrienne Lecouvre. Well, she worked in like the 18th century, right? Yeah, so she was born in 1692 and died oh, in 1730. Dang. Okay, so this yeah. is way long gone. But then what the opera um, like sets things, so the opera sets things in the year of 1730 in Paris, which is like the year that she died. Yeah. Wow, she died really young. She died before 40. We'll get to that. <gasps> oh, dun, dang dun, it. Dun. This one. Does it mark the box? 
it's named after a person, particularly a woman. She mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, she did. So the real Adrienne and the real Duchess of Bouillon. 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 They both loved um, or were had their sights set on Maurice de Saxe. All right. <laughs> Solid name. <laughs> he picked um, that. Yeah, he did pick that. That's we, can we have the spelling of that? S A X E. Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> yes. And so in the opera, she is Adriana Lecouvre, uh, Maurice becomes Maurizio, and the Duchess of Bouillon becomes a princess of Bouillon. So La Prince, Principessa. Principessa. Oh. Yeah. Do you think We're raising the stakes. That was for like artistic, like just because I thought that would go over well with audiences, or was that a censorship thing? I don't know. I didn't really read anything about like why they did it. Maybe it's just to like make the drama even more right. Dramatique. Yeah. Dramatique. Okay. Très dramatique. So what happens? What's our plot? So, the plot is mm-hmm. much like curtain bullion. <laughs> the plot thickens. The pl- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, whoever invented that, as long as they've got it trademarked, they're the only real ones in in the market, so they must be making bank. Wait, but isn't Maybe the dynasty has been around. It's a dynasty. They've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. (laughs) Today's episode brought to you by (laughs) the Boolean dynasty. (laughs) I thought that, like, Boolean was a French term for a type of broth. Like, you can't own that term. You don't know. (laughs) Clearly, I don't. Just... Say that to Giuseppe Rigatoni. Okay. Okay. Say it. To the, he's really he's the Rigatoni, the Fusilli family. Yeah. <laughs> They're both turning in their graves right now with the flippant use of their names for pasta. Okay. Flippant. All right. Continue. Back to what we're really supposed to be talking about. It's going to be a challenge. Yes. Curtain. It's going to be. It's 1730. Yes. So. Adriana Lecouvre is the famed actress at the Comédie Française in real mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. and in the opera she is the, also like an actress, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a person who's like in charge of this acting, well, it's set at the Comédie Française, I can't even say it. Comédie Française? Comédie Française? Sure. Yes. Okay. I'm just trying to think in my head, I'm yeah. imagining who, like... The current day equivalent would be as far as like famous actresses. Let's say she's Meryl Streep. Yeah, actually, I think that's a good. Mm. Yeah. But younger. Yeah, early Meryl Streep? Early Meryl Streep. Like 1980s Meryl Streep. Ah, mm. oh, okay. Or like, mm, yeah, I think like Julia Roberts. When... Ooh, that's good. I okay, like that. Julia yeah. Roberts. Like yeah. Pretty Woman. Yeah, she's like the Julia Roberts of her time. All right, act one, curtain rises. It's the comedie française. Actors and actresses are flying about everywhere. They're snapping at each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michonnet, who is the stage director, he says he's trying to get everyone in order because that evening they're performing um, a play, a tragedy, Cornelier's or Cornille's Bayazé. And Adriana is one of the female leads in Mm -hmm. this play, as is her... Her actress rival, uh, Mademoiselle Duclos. Mm-hmm. Duclos. All right. And then, so the Prince of Bouillon, who is uh, La Duclos's lover, arrives. Iskandar. Yes, with 
the abbe, who is like the like a priest, right? And they're just basically complimenting everybody. Yeah, there's right. there's a priest in this that plays, and he's connected to the real life story. But I feel like there's always a priest that's involved somehow. Right. So, Adriana enters. She's reading her lines, and um, she sings this. That's kind of like her entrances music that becomes her melody that weaves throughout the entire opera okay. so we should listen to a little bit of it so you can hear what adriana's melody is musically speaking our stage director he has like had the hots for Adriana for years but he's been like a poor stage director Mm -hmm. but recently he's come into a bit of inheritance money so he's about to propose to her because like now he's gonna ask her to marry even though they haven't like had any kind of romantic interactions or been on a date or anything like that hey this is like right so that's gonna go super well for him this is like 1700 that's what people did yeah and he's about to like profess his love and be like run away with me marry me right um but then I guess they're at least friends because she starts confiding in him that she is having this like torrid love affair with oh, with this other man. No. Um, and so he realizes what she's saying. He like backs off and doesn't reveal to her his love. And um, and she thinks Adriana thinks that this person she's in love with is um, in like the the army. I guess mm-hmm. um, like the search. Um, an officer in the service of the Count of Saxony. How did they meet? Is that a question that you don't want me to ask you? I don't really know how they met. How do you think Fair they enough. met? Uh, at a bar. Cool. In a public right. house. Right. So. <laughs> Moving no, on. I want to explore this. How did they meet? She's an actress. He, he is passing himself off as a like officer in the Count of Saxony's art army so he they must have met like he went acting school yeah he went and he saw the play and then he got backstage because he's a handsome man and she was like "Ooh, hello sir and he said "Ooh." all right (laughs) next in the action okay so then he arrives to the theater yes um and but we learn even though adriana doesn't learn that he is actually the count of saxony he's not a service uh, like a service man in his why army why do they do this and I, I don't know like maybe he's like i wanted to love it's me deception to me. yeah just ask i don't know count on the view but i think it will come become clear 
so they there's this solo that he has that he sings all about his obsessive love for her and then it like morphs into a love duet um and then so then they finish this duet and right before she like makes her stage entrance like to perform that night and then um basically the abbe the priest somehow manages to intercept a letter that was addressed to him Maurizio mm-hmm. right the count of saxony slash fake serviceman officer mm-hmm. right um so he intercepts the letter addressed to him that he thinks um la duclos is trying to like arrange a tryst for her and Maurizio because uh, apparently like duclos and Maurizio were lovers before Maurizio and Adriana became a thing. Oh, so the prince, her current lover, is trying to figure out if she's sleeping with somebody else. So he's getting the abbey, the abbe. Yeah, yeah something like that, yeah. Oh, Even though the prince is married. The prince is married, yes. So. Um, I'm having a hard time following. Right, okay, so, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> I think it's the wine. I'm going to say it's the wine. <laughs> right. So. My Maurice. Adriana and Maurizio are in love. Look, they're having an affair. Is sleeping with each other, right. yeah, uh-huh. either currently or at some point in the past. Yeah, right. Maurizio in the past has slept with Duclos. Okay, right, but they not right not now. Sleeping with each other yeah. right now. Duclos is currently the lover of the prince. Dang, of Bouillon. Okay. okay, so then Rando Priest, who is the prince's right-hand man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He intercepts a letter that was addressed to Maurizio saying, like, meet me tonight. We're going to have a thing. And he assumes that it's from Duclos, who was Maurizio's lover. Hmm. Right? So then he, like, goes and tells the prince, like, your current lover, Duclos, is, like, trying to get it on with Maurizio. The prince says, I knew it. Right? So the prince is like... I am going to throw a party and surprise them and, like, catch them red-handed, right? Wow. In front of a bunch of strangers. Shouldn't the priest be saying, uh, maybe you shouldn't be having a lover outside of your marriage instead of trying to get in the middle of it? I don't think he's of, like, the highest moral fiber. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so to make this all a little bit more complicated, when Maurizio receives the letter, he's like, I'm no idiot. I know this is not... Duclos, this is actually the princess of Bouillon, the prince's wife, right? Who wants to, like, get it on with me. And so... (laughs) Yeah. Have they gotten it on in the past? I don't think so. Okay. I don't don't think so. (laughs) Okay. And so... Oh, no. I'm totally wrong. The next sentence is... It's not Duclos, but the princess of Bouillon, whose lover he has been in the past. So Maurizio Dang. and the princess were at one time a thing. They're not They're now. They're all hooking up. Yeah. This, for the time period, is very scandalous. Right. Very, very scandalous. But remember that Adriana doesn't know that Maurizio was actually a count. She doesn't know that the princess of Bouillon had a thing with him. Or Duclos. Or Duclos. She doesn't really know that the prince thinks that Maurizio is going to hook up with Duclos. To, she knows nothing. She knows nothing. See, this is an opera where you need to... Like listen to a lecture or an explanation beforehand. Yeah, this would that would be helpful. Yeah, it might be much clearer once you see it on stage. <laughs> when you like <laughs> actually can see people, right? Yeah, yeah, and they're moving and stuff. Okay, so Maurizio's like, 
I don't want to sleep with the Princess de Bouillon. However, I'm a count. She's a princess. Like, I'm a, I need to, like, play nice in the sandbox for political reasons. So I'm going to still go to the party and I'm going to let her down easy, telling her, like, we're not going to be a thing. Mm. I, ha- I love somebody else. Um, so because he's decided to do this, he then has to, like, send a message to Adriana saying, my love, I cannot meet, meet you tonight. Let's rain check. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh, she's not going to like that. No, she doesn't like that at all. Um, but she has been invited to the prince's party by somebody else. Right? That the prince is throwing this party to try and catch mm-hmm. his lover, Duclos, with Maurizio. And so she's like, well, I'm going to go to the party because she's told by somebody that the Count of Saxony will be at the party. And she thinks that the person she's in love with, Maurizio, is like a low serviceman to the Count of Saxony. So she's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to befriend the Count of Saxony and put in a good word for my lover Hmm. so he can like rise up. She's doing a nice thing. Yeah, she's trying to do a nice thing. Alright. Is this gonna be like a masked party where people don't know? Who it's each not other a are? masked party, but it like might as well be. <laughs> so Okay, so that's act one where it ends with Adriana trying to do a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, and that's one of two? One of four. One of three. Ah, it's Almost. always yeah, every time I nope, get four. One of four. Nice, okay. Yeah. Okay, act two. Act two. Now we're at Duclos's villa, which is by the Seine. So, in Duclos's villa, the (laughs) princess is waiting anxiously for Maurizio, because that's where they're going to rendezvous, okay? And she sings an aria. She sings an aria, yes. That weird thing. Acerba voluta. I'm not familiar. We should listen. Unless you want to do a full performance. All right, yeah. (laughs) The princess is... You know that one. The princess is a mezzo. Yeah, I know. This is Elspeth's part. Uh, No, this is for, like, mezzos. Goofy mezzos. Big ol' mezzos. All right, let's listen. This is for big ol' singers, this opera. Maurizio, Count of Saxony, arrives. Mm. And she notices that he has a little bundle of violets or, um, yeah, I think it's violets that he has, like, in his buttonhole. Oh. I kept reading in his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in his, his, yeah. his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's and, an odd place. And to put your we violin. know, like, at some point in Act One, Adriana has given these to Maurizio, like, as just like oh. you know, think of me, keep this close to your heart, mm-hmm. right? Whatever. Where I think it's this side, right? Is the that is the side of your yeah. heart. I don't know if yeah. that's the side where the like when you put a boutonniere on a boutonniere on a guy yeah. on that side. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you do the know. left side. People I can't see me gesturing. So. Yeah, they do it on the left side. Yeah. I've experienced okay. many a stabbing yeah. to boutonniere. <laughs> <laughs> or in his butthole. Yeah. Okay. Elspeth. So crass. La principessa notices that he has this little bundle of flowers in his buttonhole. <laughs> and, and so she suspects, like, oh, who gave him those? There must be another woman, mm-hmm. right? And then, but he Correct. kind of realizes that, ooh, this is looking suspicious. So he takes it off and he offers it to her as, like, oh. a gesture of to try and make oh. it not. Yes. Dirty, dirty man. I know. Okay, so... He does this, but, um, and then she says that she's spoken to the queen, um, and, but, or she's spoken to the queen of France on his behalf, and, like, everything's going to be okay, like, they should run, like, they can have an affair together, I guess. Mm. I guess she, like, okays this with the queen. And then he's like, thank you, but my heart lies elsewhere, Mm -hmm. right? And so he admits he has another liaison. Mm. And then right as this happens, you hear the sound of a carriage coming up and the prince and the abbe arrive. Okay. So the prince's wife is inside this house trying to have like a sexy rendezvous with Maurizio. And they're inside the house of her husband's secret lover. Too close. Right. Are you following? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the prince and yeah, the prince and the abbe enter. They're laughing. They're having fun, and they like see Maurizio, and then they kind of like clap him on the back, congratulating him for like hooking up with Duclos, I guess. Damn. Or his most recent conquests, or something. No, it wouldn't be Duclos because Duclos is the prince's. Anyway, they're congratulating him on his on something. Yeah. Okay. Then Hooking up with somebody. Um, Maurizio decides to like kind of just go along with it, even though he has no idea. Like he's like, okay, like mm. what is going on? Um, but he just kind of plays into this whole thing. And then Adriana arrives um, to this house for this party, and she realizes that is that Maurizio, her lowly serviceman lover, is actually the Count of Saxony. So okay. that's when she finds out his identity. Does put it together. But then she's like really happy. And it's not like, like a... hey, he's rich. Yeah. Well, he's rich and he's a count and we're here together. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they sing a duet and they're all happy. Um, and then this is interrupted by Michonnet, the stage director, who has come with a message for La Duclos. Right? And remember that La Duclos and Adriana are rivals. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So... But by this point, like, La Duclos is, like, run and hid somewhere, right? Because, like, basically her lover and her lover's wife are, like, in the same house. And it's going to get awkward. So she's, like, right. taken off. It's getting crowded. Yeah. And so 
someone says like, well, she's here somewhere, but we don't really know where she is. And so the Abbe Probably like goes, <laughs> right. And then live her life the way she chooses. And then as soon as Adriana hears that La Duclos is somewhere in the house and like she was there already when Maurizio, like before she arrived, Maurizio and La Duclos were in the house together. She was like, oh, Maurizio is cheating on me. Like that's the conclusion, conclusion that she comes to. Okay. So she, yeah, Mm -hmm. she assumes that Maurizio was cheating on her and like trying to have this secret rendezvous with La Duclos, and that's why he's at the house. And also remember, he like canceled their plans that night. Mm -hmm. Right? Suspicious. Mm -hmm. It was suspicious. Maurizio denies this. He's like, no, no, no. Um, He says, there is a woman in the next room, but it's all like, it's all political. This is just a political thing. I'm only here to like play nice with everyone. And so Adriana's like, I'm going to go into that room and see who this woman is. Don't let anyone else in here. And so um, they, like, turn the, like, all the lights are off. And, like, Adriana is alone in this room um, in the dark. And then she's, like, talking to the woman in this room. But the woman in this room is um, La Principessa. It is not... It's not too close. It is the mm. princess. Okay. I thought this was going to end up like a like clue. She was going to get murdered and then everybody have to figure out who did it. Right. No. But the, remember, the Principessa is secretly <clears throat> in love with Maurizio. Mm-hmm. Right. So then Adriana starts talking. She thought that she was going to find Duclos there, but she didn't. Who she thinks is with Maurizio. Maurizio. Right. But, but it's actually the Principessa who does love Maurizio. Right. So, Ugh. yeah. This is so convoluted. Right. So then they're talking in the dark and they can't see each other. And Adriana figures out that this woman, whoever she is, is in love with Maurizio. And so she is like, after my man. Right. Mm-hmm. But then this woman ends up escaping and like fleeing in the darkness, but drops a bracelet on the on her way out Uh-oh. and michonet who i guess is just like creeping in the corner <laughs> or something he sees Awkward. this and he like picks it up and gives it to adriana as like a if you find the the owner of this bracelet you found like you're the person who's competing with you for Maurizio's love right and act two. Oh man Whew. this okay. is exhausting act three now we are at the bouillon palace <gasps> Love that palace. Built out of. No. <laughs> right. Okay. Cubes. So, prep, there's a party happening. The abbe is like helping with party preparations and also discreetly flirting with the princess, La Prince of Principessa. Remember, the mm-hmm. abbe not Doesn't of Doesn't he the... have a congregation that he needs to be <laughs> talking yeah, to? on Sunday. Right, on oh, Sundays. Sorry, my yeah. mistake. This is Saturday. Saturday night. And then the... And then the prince joins them, and then, like, all the flirting stops, right? I would hope. Yeah. So husband, wife, prince, and princess are in the same room. And and remember, the abbe is, like, the sidekick of the prince. So this whole thing is, yeah, everyone's sleeping with everyone. Mm -hmm. So the prince basically says, you know, in my free time, I like doing chemistry. (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) And he's like, and guess what? I created a poison. And oh he's like, damn! Yeah, so he's like, why is he casually telling his wife this? No, not his wife. The the abbe. Oh, okay. The abbe, his sidekick, right? Sorry. So then, um, and he says, 
I found, I created this poison. It's like a little powder. And when you inhale it, first you like hallucinate and go crazy. And then you die. Damn. Right? Yeah. And sometimes he tells this to the abbe in secret. And sometimes he tells this, like sometimes it's staged where the principessa is like overhearing the mm-hmm. whole conversation. So it depends how you want to do it. All right. So Adriana then arrives to the party that the prince is throwing. And... Uh, or the second party, I guess. She doesn't have any jewelry <laughs> on because she has pawned all of her belongings, basically, to try and pay for Maurizio's release from prison because in between Acts 2 and 3, the princess got really jealous that Maurizio was in love with somebody else and she threw him in prison, essentially. Jeez. Yeah. I guess she needed to be a princess in order to have that power. Right. Yeah. Right, instead of just a duchess, but Okay. Okay, so then they recognize each other as, like, the other person who was in that dark room, mm-hmm. right? And so then the Principessa lays a trap for Adriana because she realizes this first, that Adriana was the other woman in this dark room, and Adriana mm. is the one that Maurizio truly loves, right? So she tells Adriana that Maurizio, like, there's no point in you pawning your jewelry and trying to bail him out of prison because he was fatally wounded in a duel. Dang. Yeah. And then basically like Adriana like faints and she's about to, you know, have a nervous breakdown when all of a sudden Maurizio walks in. Yeah. So he's like, I'm here and I am alive. Um, Did somebody bail him out? It doesn't really say. I mean, she paid a lot of money, but she didn't realize that he was set free until that Mm. very moment. Right. Mm, Okay. Okay. So... He arrives, he's like entertaining people with stories about his military conquests. Um, There's dances and other things that happen to entertain them. And then um, the princess and Adriana start getting in like a verbal catfight because they realize that they are each other's true rival, right? And then Adriana produces the bracelet that was like picked up off the ground that Michonne gave her. And... Uh, the prince was like, hey, why do you have that? That's my wife's. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then um, to try it. and like, so the princess in like a last ditch attempt to like steer attention away from this revelation is like, Adriana, if you're such a great actress, why don't you perform for us? Right? And then the prince is kind of like, oh, yes. Like, do, <laughs> right, do that. Ooh. Uh, ooh entertainment. Right. Something shiny. And then at the prince's suggestion, she chooses an excerpt from Racine's Phaedra. Mm-hmm. And basically, the, it's like a monologue denouncing, like, lustful women who cheat on their husbands. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And then apparently, like, she performs, Adriana performs the whole thing while staring directly at La Principessa. Right? Cool. It's subtle. Yeah. It's cool. Subtle but effective. Um, and then everyone goes crazy because it's such a great performance, but, like, the, the princess is furious mm-hmm. and storms off and she decides that she's like hell-bent on getting revenge for basically publicly humiliating nice her end of act three end of act three yes i wonder what's gonna happen in act four and so in in real life in real life there was this incident where well i'll save it for when when i get to the end because it's like connected to the end that girl is poison (laughs) 
Act four. Act four. Now we're at Adriana's house. Mm-hmm. It's her birthday. Aww. Um, but she's she basically believes that Maurizio doesn't love her anymore. Sad. And so she's like, you know, weeping and heartbroken and um, doesn't really know what to do. But she's like inconsolable. Michonne comes in. He keeps visiting her and tries to cheer her up. And it doesn't really work. He goes so far as to, like, he actually goes out and buys all of her jewelry back that she pawned to get Maurizio out of prison and, like, gives it to her. And she's like, this is so sweet. Thank you so much. Like, maybe I'll return to the stage. (laughs) She's not like, I love you. (laughs) You truly love me. She's like, oh, maybe I'll come back to... Okay, I guess I'll work for you. Yeah, I guess I'll work for you. I guess I'll come back to the stage and, like, you know, return to my life. So... Um, but then she gets this delivery that's labeled from Maurizio. Ooh. And so she opens it and she finds a little bundle of violets. And, but they're like kind of dead looking. And so she, she thinks that maybe this is a sign that Maurizio is like, our love is dead. Right? Asshole. But yet she can't help but like keep smelling the violets because she sings this like aria like lamenting the loss of her love right Mm -hmm. and this beautiful thing that she had with Maurizio and she keeps like smelling the violets and (laughs) lamenting and so audibly sniff during the aria I guess so the aria is called Poveri Fiori and it's really Poveri (laughs) Fiori Exactly. Yeah. Nice. And so she, it's all about her, like, lamenting the loss of this beautiful love with Maurizio. Or poverty furious, poor flowers, yeah. Yeah, and so she's singing, like, poor flowers, you're dead, our love is dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, everything's dead. Um, <laughs> soon I'll be dead. Soon I'll be dead. <laughs> she doesn't know that, though. Wink. Right. <laughs> and so, and, but we can kind of piece together that we're like, okay, we know that the prince has this, like, chemistry hobby and invented this poisonous right. powder and Basically, so essentially like poison crack yeah the, the the violets are laced with this poison powder and that's why that they're the, dead la principesa has sprinkled on them. that's why they're dead mm-hmm. and the more that she sings and inhales and sings to these flowers like the more she inhales the poison um oh but then she has to hallucinate right so then um but while this is going on, Michonne is like this, like things are getting bad. I'm going to go get Maurizio to fix this. And then so he brings Maurizio in and then Maurizio is like, what? It, like, I've always loved you. I never cheated on you. Like, you are my only love. These like, I don't know why you're so upset, but like, you're the only woman for me. Marry me. Let's run away together. Blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Right. And then Adriana is so excited and she's like, yes, he like proposes. And then she's like, yes, but like everything's going to be wonderful. And then she starts getting like really, really pale and her mind starts to go. And so like Mm -hmm. she starts hallucinating and she's saying things that don't make sense. Does she have a mad scene? It's not really a mad scene, but it is like a... Very long, uh, like hallucinatory, Mm -hmm. and like Maurizio doesn't really get it, right? And he's (laughs) amazing, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not like it's not like Lucia, Lucia, like this. It's not a performance of insanity. It's like just she's slowly dying and hallucinating, and right, yeah. Okay, so then, um, 
they piece together that the violets are poison and were sent by the Principessa deliberately to get revenge. And um, Adriana's like desperately trying to stay alive and they kind of like figure out what's happened. But uh, ultimately she is too far gone. And so the opera ends with her like dying in Maurizio's arms from this powdered poison on the violets. Tragic. Yeah. So, um, witness it. That's how the opera ends. <laughs> End yes. of opera. End of opera. So it's a really like tragic ending, but only yeah. Adriana dies. Like nobody else yeah. dies mm-hmm. in this opera. So in real life, what happened? So in real life, um, so that whole scene that's worked into the opera with Adriana like delivering this monologue directly to. La Principessa, apparently that happened in real life. Dang. Like, where, but instead of just staring at her, the real Adrienne, like, pointed to the the Duchess of Bouillon. Um, and it was such a big thing, and it actually happened in the Comédie, the Comédie Française, and... Very um, public. Very public. And the Duchess of Bouillon was so enraged that, like, the, the theater company had to, like, issue, like, a public and official apology. Nice. Um, mm. But part of the reason that, that Adrienne, Adrienne was driven to that was because um, in real life, the Abbe character was, like, friends with the Duchess slash Principessa. And the Principessa, like, gave him these poison lozenges that she had purchased from somewhere and asked him basically to like be the assassin to deliver them to um, Adrian, and then the abbe like had this like um, he basically becomes a whistleblower and he like brings them to Adrian, but he's like, "Don't eat these. Um, the princess is trying to poison you, and these are poisonous." And then uh, so to test it, they you're not gonna like this. No. Can't. So they what? They t- they test the lozenge on a house pet and um, oh. yes, and a cat. No, a dog. Yes, sad dog yeah. dies. Yeah, in real life, this is what happened. Dang. And then so because of that, Adrian was like certain that the prince that the duchess slash princess was trying to kill her. So then to get revenge on her, she does this thing where she performs and like points right at her. And calls her out as being a lustful adulterer. But then, like, literally two days later, Adrienne, the real Adrienne, died of mysterious causes. Dang! And nobody knows why. Assassinated. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so then, the because it was all so public, and there was this whistleblower, like, there was this legend, and, like, everyone basically said, well, she must have, like, been poisoned by... So whatever happened with the Duchess of... Bouillon. Apparently, she, like, to her dying day, denied it up and down that she did not actually poison her. Wow. Um, and then, appa- apparently, the abbe, at some point, claimed that he had made the whole story up just to get close to Adrienne because he was, like, he was so obsessed with her as this, like, celebrity. Mm-hmm. But it's unclear if he was just saying that to, like, if he was, Try like, paid to off that, to yeah. say that or something like that. I so, mean, she died either way. She died so, in a way. All Let's be people. honest. Yeah. I'm glad they're all dead. I know. <laughs> so, so that is the real life story. Like the opera is based on this real life story that was. Um, wow. Yeah. 
Did we listen to Poverty Fury? We can. Yeah, why don't we play out to Poverty Fury? Fury, because it is the. Fury. Like, that is. It's a huge long scene. We won't listen to the whole thing. But um, that, like, blends. It's a whole aria, and then it goes right into like the death scene. But that's kind of like the big aria at the at the end of this. So. And now that you have heard the plot and some of the music, if you want to see more with an awesome cast, mm-hmm. go watch it live in HD. That's right, definitely. Right. And yeah, this this plot is complicated. So yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for taking us through it Naomi Thanks, you Naomi. certainly know it now um, right yeah you didn't have the best audience but you got through oh it was great so many like lovers and we were people great who were lovers and not lovers and yeah anyway well if you're a lover of this podcast <laughs> nice. please well go leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this podcast uh, also, be sure to find us at operaafterdark.com mm-hmm. and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about the scandalous affairs of Adriana Lecouvreur Le and company. <laughs> and in the meantime, thanks for listening. I'm Kyle. I'm Elspeth. I'm Naomi. See you next time. Bye. Bye.